0: today we feature audio from the elite business advice podcast with chris moore in this episode sam Sala is back to discuss a few factors you should be taking into your pricing model this episode is sponsored by wooster purdy and hide. Welcome to the elite business advice podcast. My name is Chris Moore.
1: I'm the founder of elite business advisors. And the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business and also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self employed small business owners. Today's episode, we've got my good friend Sam Sala back with us again for another episode, we're going to talk through all about how to charge for the value you bring to your clients. Sam, welcome back. Good to have you.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, I appreciate you doing this again. Um, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, if they didn't catch you back in season one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Is Absolutely. how I kind of, I kind of explain myself. Uh, I uh, I own and run multiple organizations, and um, you know, been an entrepreneur since tw- since I was 21 years old, yeah. and uh, you know, have have built. Multiple companies have failed, have uh, succeeded in some things, and uh, luckily I'm here today talking to you about you know, how I got there. So. Yeah.
1: I love it. I yeah. love it. I always appreciate you taking time to do that. I know you always have a lot on your plate, but always
2: have time for you. You mate. always make
1: it a priority and I appreciate <laughs> that about you. Yeah, so you're definitely, yeah. uh, you're definitely the person that I always look to it for advice. Cause I know you've been through just about anything that I'm going through. Right. So you've been through a lot, the good, the bad, like you said, you've, you know, learned from the school of hard knocks at points in time. And, sure. um, I know you've learned a lot from it and that's definitely why you've built the businesses that you have today for sure. So, yeah. um, so we, we had coffee about, a month or two ago, maybe three months ago at this point, honestly, I don't know time's flying. Um, And we were sitting there and we started having a conversation about the value that people bring to their clients, right? And, And that most people undercharge for their services, uh, because they don't take into account the value that they have to offer to people. And yeah. we, we ended up having like a really good 20 minute conversation. And I was almost mad that we didn't have like the recording stuff there with us. Cause we could have just knocked this episode good out. Stuff, for sure. Um, and yeah. so I want to kind of revisit that conversation a little bit, um, and talk about that because again, that's something that we see, you know, a lot of clients yeah. come to us asking, how much should I be charging? What is the value you know, and, and most people look at it for kind of a time for money exchange. Um, and so do you have any insight you can kind of offer on why you think people look at it more from the time for money exchange rather than the value they bring to the table?
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's it's human nature to devalue ourselves, yep. okay, because we're in the grind every day. We, we have this skill set and or service, and, you know, we feel like, oh, man, sh-, you know, I'm going to charge this much to this person for what I'm doing for them we have this, and most people do have self-limiting beliefs in a lot of ways on how much value they actually can deliver to someone. So, um, that is, that is very common. And, um, I always say, you know, there is always a number that the market will bear depending on what in- industry, and right. you should know that yep. you should know, like you shouldn't be overpricing yourself and you shouldn't be underpricing yourself. And that's yeah. part uh, of your responsibility to, to know that. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like your time, your time is valuable yep. and your, you know, your services are valuable and you should charge for that. And yes. you shouldn't feel embarrassed and, or, um, you know, like, like you're doing something wrong by, by charging for the services, you know, that you're, you're giving to someone. Look, right. there was a, there was a statement that I really liked. It said, uh, we were talking about the automotive industry okay. and, um, you know, it's like you charge for a service and it's a, it's $150, right? You're not paying $150 for that service. You're paying for the 35 years of experience I put in to charge you the $150 for that service. Right. So that, that, that all has to be taken into account when you're, when you're creating pricing for a service, you know, you're not charging for that particular service. You're charging for your experience. You're, you know, the expertise that you've learned by, by failure and, and, you know, Trials and tribulations. That all has to go into that 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 cost, right? Yeah. And don't cheapen that, right? Yeah. Do not do not cheapen your services because you can't look at it just by this is the service I'm offering. No, what 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 what, how, what did it take to get you to this point? Right, right. right. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely a common thing. And you you should charge for this for definitely for the services that you're, you're rendering. Yeah,
1: no, that's great. That's great advice. And I think, you know, you said a key thing there. A lot of people lack the confidence. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it comes from. Right. Because most people, um, at least most people we work with are good people with good hearts. Right. And they never want to feel like, oh, I'm taking advantage of somebody. Right. And they, but they don't think about all that. Right. What Mm -hmm. was the learning experience? How much time did it take you to figure these things out? And you need to be compensated for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that you're taking advantage of people. There can become a point where that is the thing. Um, and, you know, you said get into the, the top of, you know, whatever it is in your industry. I always tell people, lean into that line. You never want to cross that line to where right. you're, you're, you are too expensive for your industry. But you always want to get there and then kind of lean into it a little bit um, because that's how you maximize your, your experience, your value, your profitability as a company. Um, and so, you know, I think the other thing is real is imposter syndrome right? Mm-hmm. We hear about that a lot, especially with entrepreneurs and business owners. People don't ever feel like they're worthy of what they should be charging. Yeah. I, you know, and I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Like I'll be a hundred percent transparent. There's been times that I've, especially early on when I started doing this before we started like getting the case studies and seeing the results with our clients, it was like, do I actually know what I'm doing? Right. I knew that I did. Mm -hmm. And I saw that we were having like an impact, but there was always that like self doubt that was like, do I really, am I able to really help these business owners? And, you know, four years later, we've got plenty of, you know, results to back it up. But, um, imposter syndrome is real for everybody. And I think that that goes into the pricing a little bit too. Um, one other aspect, I think, you know, we talked about the experience and all of those things too, um, but another, or the, the experience of the owner to do the service. Um, but another thing I want to hit on is the customer experience, right? And the experience you provide to your customers and your clients and the the branding and everything that comes with that. How do you think that that should also impact the, the value and the pricing model?
2: Well, customer experience is everything. So at the end of the day, if if your customer experience is bad, you're not going to be a you're not going to be successful right. right so um you know people don't you know they may pay once but if it's not a good experience they're not going to pay twice yep. that's doesn't matter what industry you're in right so customer experience has to be you know has to be a, a major part of your your business model and how you're delivering that is is, is I can't stress the importance of that right. um b- uh, bad experiences go around a lot faster than good ones yes So, you know, you really need to make that an important part of your focus as an entrepreneur to make sure that your organization is delivering a quality customer experience.
1: That's good. But the reason I ask that question is, you know, we have that that conversation come up a lot too with clients, especially when we start talking about the pricing game, right? And again, we work with a lot of contractors and they're charging, you know, it so much per hour, right? They're billing Mm -hmm. at 50, 60, $70 per hour. Um, And the one conversation I always have with them is I said, make sure that you're, you are you know, customer experience, and, and I look at customer experience from the second that they make contact with you, that they're interested in, like, getting a bid or a quote, mm-hmm. all the way through the sales process and at the end of the production of the job, that you give them a good experience, right? And what I, what I mean by that is you should be prompt. You should be, you know, not that you have to drop everything you're doing to answer their phone call every time, but you should be, you know, calling them back. You should show up on time. Like it's all the little things too that go a long way with that, that build Mm. you as a professional company, as somebody that they should trust, Mm. somebody that, you know people were like, I don't know how people sell jobs at $80 an hour, you know, say in the painting industry or whatever the dollar value is. And I'm like, it's because they have a really good customer experience, right? The customer calls them, they've got the systems, they've got the people in place that they're, they feel, you know, taken care of. They feel confident in this company that they're going to show up. Um, you know, you're a homeowner. You've probably had plenty of run-ins with contractors that don't show up, don't call you back. They come out for an estimate and you never actually get the quote from them. You know, so when somebody is really thorough and follows up and, you know, you're, I think branding has a big thing to do with that, right? How you, how you brand your company and, you know, just everything from A to Z, when you've got all that in a good spot, you can afford to charge more money, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trying to charge somebody top dollar for the industry and your experience is very lackluster, you're 30 minutes late you like give them a quote on the back of a business card, you show up looking pretty raggedy like that's not a top dollar experience for the industry right um and so i think that that's something super important to keep keep in mind as you're determining kind of where you should be at pricing yeah i
2: think we're talking about follow-through yeah right so um you know when when i deal with contractors you know i deal with people that i like yep starts there right so relationship building is probably the most important aspect of that obviously you got to follow through on your invoices you know, following up with a customer, keeping your word that that's, that's just business one-on-one. Right. Okay. But, you know, I buy from people that I like, I don't, you know, the more I like them, the less I'm focused on pricing and it shouldn't be about if your business is strictly pricing, 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 then you need to, to change how your, your culture and how you're delivering that to your customers, that's because it should just be about, you know, your contracting company and my experience directly with that customer. Right. If I like someone, I'll pay $10 an hour more, 20, I have relationships with, with painters and I, you know, they're expensive, right? More expensive than, you know, I could go find a cheaper, but I have a relationship with specific painter that I like and he's always showed up and his guys do a great job and I'll pay more for that. And there's people out there like that. Exactly. But relationship is where it starts.
1: That's a good point. And you can't
2: build a good relationship without great communication and follow through.
1: That's a really good point. Um, and I think that, you know, when you, when you know what to expect to, right, especially when it's a referral, when it's a repeat customer something like that, when that customer knows what to expect of you, that you are going to show up, you're going to do a great job, you're going to make the process super easy and stress-free for them, um, they're more likely to go with you regardless of the price, yeah. right? You know, when you look at all those intangibles, um, and I do see a lot of people, they, they focus too much on selling on price, and I'm like, that's where you're going wrong, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's from a lot of different angles with it, it, it definitely... The, the reputation that you have and you build goes a long way with people. Um, and I think the whole, you know, stress-free, making it easy piece of it, you, you get what you pay for in life. Yeah. You know, as, as I continue to get older, like, you realize that everything you do, everything you buy from places, everything, every person you hire for something, you get exactly what you pay for. And just
2: to add to the pricing thing, you know, you realize everything's high right now. Yeah. So, you know, what was expensive a year ago – or what's what was average price a year ago and what's average price now is completely different. Yep. Especially in the contracting world. Right. So you really need to look. I mean, take a second look at what people are charging right now and make sure you're in line with that. Yeah. Um inflation's up, things are up, materials are more expensive. Um no know, know your margins. Yep. Know your numbers. You don't know your business until you know your numbers.
1: That's a great point. I'm actually glad you said that. That leads us yeah. into the next question yeah. here.
2: So um how do you suggest
1: business owners measure on the back end? um, if they're charging enough for the value they're providing.
2: So, yeah. So I guess your, your cost of goods, which is your, you know, all your, your overhead, right. Right. You have to know those numbers and, um, you know, it's very easy to forecast and build a a profit, you know, profitability model based off your costs and your revenue. Right. So there's, there's a few factors there. You got to make sure that whatever the market will bear is enough to support a profitable business. So if your costs are too high and you're charging at the top tier, um, of, of what the market will bear, and you're still not making money, then your overheads too high.
1: That's a good point.
2: Uh, or you need to get more volume to support the overhead you have. Yep. Now, I would I I'm going to highly recommend that you know cut your costs first, yep. build your business the right way, and then reinvest in your business and grow. Right. That's a good point. Because growth can hurt you as much as as much as profitability is something that you don't want to chase a lot and you can throw money at it. You could do all these different things and that's a recipe for disaster. So I highly recommend that if you have, you know, if profitability is an issue, you have to really look at what your fixed costs are Mm -hmm. and see where you can save and see where you can cut valid costs. So don't cut marketing, don't cut, you know, uh, accounting, you know, the stuff that your business has to, And you know, I see entrepreneurs all the time. They're like, Oh, I'll just do my own books. I'll just, you're I'll do my own marketing. I'll run. I'll, I'll run all my Facebook pages myself, yeah. or I'll I'll do Google, you know, ad ads myself. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, this is where you you need to put someone that's a ten at that, and, you know, in that specific, you know, task, and you will reap the rewards from it. And I think that there's, um, we put blinders on, especially as entrepreneurs, and when when you want to save money, I, you know, what does entre- every entrepreneur say? I can do this. I can right. do this because you know what? we we can we are those people. We we believe in ourselves. We we may not be a 10, but like we're a 5, yep. but we still think we can do it.
1: I and mean, we think it's, we're an 8, though. Keep that in mind. We think we're an
2: 8. Yeah, we, we there's definitely three points there we buffer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, do not if, – if you're not – I'm a big believer in this. If you're not a 10 at something, don't Hire do somebody.
1: it. Well, there's yeah. no way that you could be sitting here today with multiple businesses – if you didn't have the right people in the right seats in those companies. Leadership is everything,
2: and everything else falls into place. If
1: you were trying to run your Facebook pages and do every single thing in all of your businesses, I'd never see you. So thank you for hiring people for that. But um, but no, I think <laughs> yeah. to your point, I think, you know, I, I like the way that you kind of broke that analogy down. Um, and I, half of our clients listen to this, need to hear that from you too, because I hear it from me, maybe coming mm-hmm. from you, it'll it'll hit home. But, um, you know, I think for me, it's, it's breaking down, especially again for the contractors, like how much money do you make on every job? How much money do you make in a given month? And I'm not talking about going to QuickBooks and just pulling your, you know, statement of cash yeah. flows for the month because you collect deposits. Maybe you collected a check in April for That's a job be finished in March. It it doesn't add up. Right. So how much, how much business are you actually doing in a given month? And then what's your gross profit on every one of those jobs? What's the overhead that you have your fixed costs, as you mentioned at the end of the month, you know, and all those numbers. And and that's one thing we love to go through with clients is just break down their financials to that point to say, how profitable are you? As people ask us all the time, well, Hey, when can I hire an office person? I'm like, you don't even know how much money you're making yet. Like we got to go through the financials first and know your numbers to then say, "Hey, can we afford a three thousand dollar a month salary, or whatever the situation is?" Um, and so, to me, knowing your numbers is like the number one place to start with that.
2: Yeah, I had a I had a a client that I was that I was consulting. I had a contracting business, and one thing you really have to look out for is he was he was a great at bringing in business. Right, marketing was was amazing. Deposits were flowing in like work and he but he was stagnant on getting his work done and it looked like he was cash flow you know positive and heavy and but the profitability was not there and you know it it was you know we had to fix that and we did and we broke up what he you know his deposits were and and what his actual revenue was and it was a completely different scenario so yeah i would be careful with that you know you you know, just because money's rolling in doesn't mean you're profitable.
1: Right. And that's where, you know, we were a big proponent of exactly what you just said, like setting those deposits aside, like those deposits shouldn't flow into your account until right. you're buying materials or starting the job. Because the deposits coming in is a complete deception to the business owner because they see money in the bank account right they get on their app they get online oh we got 27 grand in there we're good well 26 of that's deposits that really shouldn't be spent yet yeah. <laughs> you know so you're not you know so it's that's a really good point i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned that um you know i think another thing too you know as we think through talking about the experience and the value let's kind of get back on that because we could talk finances all day um so maybe season three um but you know i think on the experience and the value you know, you look at it from like the time-saving point of view too, right? You know, a lot of times I'll pay somebody to do something because I don't have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to probably do it in half the time that I could, um, you know, whether it's home projects, whatever it might be, right? Um, and so, you know, I think it's important to, you know, think about the time aspect of it too, right? The homeowners that, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to pay for this or not. Well, what does their schedule look like, right? If they're working 60 hours a week, you're gonna save them a ton of time. You're gonna make it a stress free experience. Um, and, you know, I mean, even for us, like, since we do work with mostly painting contractors, um, they make up about 85% of our total clients. It's like, we're out benchmarking for all of our clients every day, right. every conversation we have with a new client, we're gathering data from them to be able to go back to our other clients. And, you know, I don't, not that we're given trade secrets, but, you know, just to, to say like, Hey, this is what these companies are doing. Um, and so I, you know, again, that's where I find myself falling into that trap of like, okay, how many hours are we going to put into a client every month? And it's like, no, no, no. What's the value we're bringing them because mm-hmm. of what we're doing in the network we have. Um, and I think for painters, you need to think about that. And so, you know, what would kind kind of your advice be on that? Would you, would you go from the time saving piece? Would you go from the experience piece, the overall value?
2: Yeah. Overall value is everything. And I think it, incul, it encapula, encapsulates, you know, the time and, and, and all that, because at the end of the day, your time is money and you're saving them that. Yeah. Right. So I think that, you know, again, we, we, we limit our value yeah. because we're like, you know, we feel like, oh, I could do this service for a little bit less. And, right. and that's, that's a pretty natural, um thought process for people especially a new entrepreneur right right? um but man do not devalue that you're saving time you're saving them you know headache like like someone like you chris you know you i couldn't imagine how you know you could be saving if i opened a painting business you'd be saving me you know mistakes money mistakes that cost me money time (laughs) like i mean it's it's an amazing service you're giving people and and people need to People need to listen and, and seek out your, you know, your professional advice because at the end of the day, um, man, I wish I had these kind of resources when mm-hmm. I was coming up as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have saved me a lot of money right. uh, and, and a lot of mistakes, but um, those, those mistakes really molded me into where That's I'm sick. at today, and, and, I, and I, 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 I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved without having those. So, yeah. um, but it's an amazing service, and don't, don't bring down that value by having self-limiting beliefs on on your services. I
1: appreciate that. And I'm glad you said it, because I was going to say that, like everything happens for a reason, right? All Mm -hmm. those mistakes definitely grew you into who you are and what you guys have built um, and and stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's, there's so many factors that go into pricing, right? It's not just the dollars and cents. You have to look at the financials and the overhead and everything else, but it is everything else that you bring to the table. Um, You know, the other night, Literally, it kind of made me think about this as I was prepping for this podcast today, like we had like a spider on our wall and like Mm. killed it, you know? And, and Christina's like, oh, isn't that going to scuff up the wall? And I was like, no, that's why you use good paint. Right. And, and it, it kind of made me think about this, knowing this conversation was coming up. Cause like most homeowners would be like, well, I can just, I can just paint the kitchen myself. No big deal. Right. And if they don't have the understanding of the difference between good quality paint and not good quality paint, they're going to go to some, you know, random big box store purchase the cheapest paint they can because paint is paint. Right. Why right. would I spend a lot of money on it when right. I can spend no money on it? They're going to kill that spider. And now they're going to have a huge mark on their wall.
2: Yeah. It's you funny. Know? I always tell, I can always tell who painted their walls when I yeah. go in their house. Yeah. You know you could tell a different the difference between a professional painter and someone who just did it on their own as you know, cheap the, as they could right 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 and yeah it's it's that's why you hire professionals and i think in every aspect of uh, entrepreneurship i think you should hire professionals and yeah. i think you should have professionals doing the right jobs within your organization yep. and you will reap the rewards from that um and just back to you back to what you said about costs you know never make sure your costs you know are so high that you can't that you know market will bear x like this is what the max people are charging right. and you still can't be profitable. Yeah. If that's a problem, then you have, you have other issues yeah. that you need to address. No,
1: that's a good point. And usually it's too much overhead mm-hmm. or you're, st- and this shouldn't be the case if you're charging that much, but you're starving your business of the cash, right? You're taking too much out of your business more than what the business is making.
2: Yeah. And don't live out of your, your business account. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that is like the number one, if, if you you'll never have money to grow, number yeah. one, Um, because you're taking money out of your business to live. And, you know, um, it's, it's a difficult situation for entrepreneurs who get into this, you know, get get into a business and they need money today to survive. You know, I was, I was lucky, lucky enough to get into this where I didn't, you know, I could, I could go two years without making money, you know, to start my, my businesses. But, um, you know, it's not like that for everyone, but, uh invest in the right things. Yeah.
1: Well, I think just having a good systematic amount that you take out of your business every two weeks or every month or yeah. whatever often you pay yourself right. And just say like, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm going to take out no matter what, like, and you know, make sure it's again a reasonable amount, but it's enough to live on and stuff. Um, and then, you know, as things continue to grow, then you can start taking more money out, but start out at the bare minimum.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everybody's finances are different and right. the business should, I mean, it's your livelihood. Yeah. It should, it should take care of you, but exactly. Um, you know, don't, don't take your deposit money and, and and buy stuff you shouldn't be buying and because your business, that money needs to roll back into your business in order for you to be successful. No,
1: that's good. Um, well, I want to kind of switch gears here real quick as we wrap up mm. um, because you mentioned, you know, kind of being a serial entrepreneur. You've got mm. multiple businesses, um, you know, and, and a lot of different moving pieces with those, right? And one question we get from a lot of people is like, when, when do you know when it's the right time to like take that next step, right? Take mm. that next leap, open that next business. Um, and so do you kind of have a rule of thumb? Cause I know yeah. again, you do some consulting too. You've been through it before multiple times in your yeah. life. Like, when did you know it, it was the right time to start the next adventure?
2: When not growing costs you money.
1: Ooh, that's good.
2: There's going to be a point where not growing costs you money. When you start seeing work go to other places because you can't, you can't take on more work cause you're, you know, you're so you, you can't absorb anymore. Um, you know, that's, that's really the rule of thumb for me. Um, like because that. if, if you're running your business properly and you get to that point, you should have, you should be cash, he- cash flow heavy. Yep. Um, but you're not able to support the amount of work you could be bringing in. That's when you grow, that's organic growth, yeah. which is the best. You know, you have guys that try to grow before, well, before they get there <laughs> right. and they're in, you know, they're in you know huge debt. Trust me. I'm not a, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe in debt. I believe in, I believe in, you know, taking money to grow your business. You can't make money without money. You know, you talk to guys a lot of, you know, a lot that say, Oh, well, you know, I want to grow, you know, but I have no debt. And I'm like, but you're not growing either. Right. You're, you would be 10 steps farther if you took a loan or you, you, you know, you, you didn't, you, I I really don't think you can get to the highest level of your potential without cash. And, um, that's why it's good to have good finance people around you to have good access to capital. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that is, in a nutshell, oh. I think that, that's the point. That's a good that's point. You do it. Yeah. That's a
1: good point. Um, and, again, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that perspective into it. So this is what I love is that you and I are, like, dead on the same page with everything. So, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, no, that's good. Um, what's one thing, as it relates to business owners, that's kind of, like, on your heart right now mm-hmm. um, that you see a lot of people stumbling with?
2: Yeah. I think, I think the biggest – I mean, there's a few hurdles that I, that I run into a lot. Um, it's, it's where to invest in their business, right? Good. They want to grow, but they don't know where to put that, that, that either, whether it's money or it's time. Yeah. Um, and I, and I say this, it doesn't matter what, what the business is. If you want to scale, leadership is everything. The team you hire, the company, the organizational culture you develop for your employees, are going to be integral in your success. Actually, it will be the main reason whether you succeed or fail. Right. Not to mention
1: the leadership from the business owner too.
2: Exactly. So so at the end of the day, um, work on yourself, um, lead your team well, um, lead by example, um, be in your business, work side by side with your leadership, develop them, um, mold them into the type of leaders that you want to run your company. Um, You know, because, you know, it, all my companies, you know, we have a lot of moving parts, a lot of employees, multiple offices. I mean, we're, you know, we're in six states now. That's um, awesome. It takes a lot to, you know, I do, I do actually leadership coaching with my sales leaders and my leadership team once a week. Um, we do it as a group and Thanks. we talk like we do, you know, like right now we're on the 21 Irrefutable Laws of I Leadership, which is obviously 101, right? Yeah. But it encompasses everything, right? So we're, we're constantly developing our leadership and in that development process, they deliver a culture that our employees want to be a part of. Yeah. And we don't have turnover.
1: That's awesome. I know.
2: And how many people say that?
1: Not many can.
2: I, I don't have, like when I, when I say that I don't have turnover, I mean, I don't have turnover. That's so awesome. You know what I mean? And I'm not
1: surprised, but like, that's incredibly awesome no, for no, a thank business you. owner. Yeah.
2: And I think that it, you know, I think our team loves being here. They want to be here. Um, obviously we pay. I mean, we yeah. pay, we pay, we we're probably at the higher level of, of, of compensation. Um, we we, per, we put performance incentives out there so they can make people can make more money within my my organizations. Yeah. So I mean, there's all these different things, but the leadership is is so big on developing culture. Culture awesome. is the word, and you know it doesn't get talked a lot uh, about with with smaller businesses because yeah. it's kind of depending on where they're at in the process. That's that doesn't come up, but like right. when you start scaling and you start growing your business, you start seeing turnover. You start seeing people in and out. Probably need to take a hard look at what kind of culture you're.
1: That's a good point.
2: You know, that's a good point.
1: Know. Well, Sam, I appreciate you taking some time to record this again. We could talk for hours and yeah, hours, but I'm not going to do sure. that to the production team or the listeners. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one other book that you've recently read that you'd recommend to small business owners?
2: Well, one for me, um, obviously, you just named probably my favorite book. Yeah. Um, that would probably be the one I would say to get into. But I'm, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was oh, one that boy. I liked a lot. Um, that's a good one. You know, being a being a father and um, learning about, you know, what to do and what not to do. and, and But I, I do believe that um, that's for me personally. But I do think that the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership should be something everyone reads. Yep.
1: That's good. I love it. Well, I appreciate your time. Yeah. I always appreciate your insight and conversation and stuff. It's oh, it's a good time. I appreciate everything you've done and sewn into me and, and we wouldn't be where we're at right now without your, your guidance and mentorship behind the scenes. So you're probably one of the most important people that nobody – None of our clients will ever meet, and that's okay. So, (laughs) um, for sure, man. Well, I appreciate it, Sam, and uh, we'll look forward to another episode in season three.
2: Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit pcapainted.org.